Hallelujah. Is that song amazing or what? That, that is a masterpiece. I, I wish I had written that song. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it just says it. Thank you, Father, for your presence in this place. Are you blessed today? Say amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. One more time, give our praise team a hand, if you would, please. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for all that you do to lead us into the Lord's presence. I'm so grateful today to be with you. I'm excited this morning. This uh, is a new series that we're in called Higher Power. We did the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the series was called Higher Love. We talked about love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. We came to Resurrection Sunday. We talked about the day the revolution began, and then from that point on, we've been in this Higher Power series, and I'm excited today to bring you the third installment. We're talking today about the three knowing gifts. We talked about the greater one being on the inside of us. Talked about the creative, co-creative, co-eternal, co-equal power of God that is in the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son, and that He has come to take up His abode on the inside of us. We told you that if you're born again, He is the resident, but we encourage you to let the resident become the president. Let the residing one become the presiding one. The Bible says, where the Spirit is Lord... You hear it this way, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But technically, in the Greek, it's where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. So let the Spirit be the boss. Let Him call the shots in your life. Let Him be the Lord over your life. Let Him be the internal GPS system. We talked about the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night that led the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land. But now, that GPS system that was external for the covenantal nation of Israel now is internal for the spiritual Israel, for the church of the living God. Somebody say amen. All right. We want to begin today in Isaiah chapter 55, and we're looking at two verses. You may remain seated, but I'd like for you to read out loud with me, please, on these two verses this morning. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Here we go. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How many of you believe that this morning? God is transcendent. He is creator. We are creation. And there is this, though we're made in His image, there is this vast difference. He is omni. We are not. We are limited. We are, we are finite. He is infinite. He knows all things. He is all-powerful. He can be everywhere at once in the fullness of His presence. We can't do any of those things. Okay, we're not omni-anything. Maybe omni-foolish sometimes, <laughs> just as, the, the, as mankind. Uh, one thing I want to bring to you this morning, and I want to move this quickly today. One thing says, The Spirit of Truth knows the why, what, how, when, and who of our lives, callings, dreams, and destinies. He will lead us into all truth. The question is whether or not what? will be led. Okay, get the, get the one thing, say it with me. Here we go. The Spirit of Truth knows the why, what, how, when, and who of our lives, callings, dreams, and destinies. He will lead us into all truth. The question is whether or not we'll be led. Pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for this opportunity today. I'm grateful this morning to look to you, Holy Spirit, even as we sang in the song, uh, your presence is everything. Without it, we're not living. Lord, even as Moses prayed and said, accept your presence, go with us, we will not go. Lord, we feel that way in this place this morning. We ask you, O oh God, to be our ears, be our hearts, be our eyes, be our perception and our understanding. I acknowledge before you and everyone listening to this that I know that I'm nothing apart from you. My strength, my ingenuity, my intelligence, my ability to speak, Lord, all of that is just nothing. God, I'm incomplete without you, but thank you that because of your Holy Spirit in my life today, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I lean into that. Spirit of God, do what you do best. Guard and guide, convict and challenge, comfort. Lord, I pray that you edify and strengthen and encourage. Lord, that you correct and adjust 
all of these things that you do and no one can do like you, do what you do in this service. In each of our hearts we pray and we ask this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm excited today to be with you and I just want to ask you before we begin, how many of you have one of these? That's a picture of my two dogs, Odie and Copper, on the front there. Does anybody know what this is that I'm holding here? Cell phone. Okay, how many of you have a cell phone? Everybody take yours out. Everybody take your cell phone out. Okay, put it on silent while you've got it. <laughs> Inevitably, in, the, in a service this size, somebody will get a call or get a text. Now, what makes this thing work is that it is a receiver sender. It has the ability to receive and send signals. And the unique thing is, is that there are cell signals that are coming through this room that we don't have any other ability to be able to discern unless you've got one of these and it's activated and turned on and tuned in to your cellular network. We remember the days of a receiver that would be the central brain of a hi-fi system. It would pick up AM radio waves. It would pick up FM radio waves. And without laboring that analogy too long this morning, I just want to tell you that like these receiving and sending capacities with every one of your cell phones that are in this room, you were born with that into this world. Made in the image of God in the Imago Dei, the Elohim said in Genesis 1.26, Let us make man after our image or in our likeness, after our image in our likeness. And the Bible says he made them male and female. He made Adam. He made mankind male and female. He created them. You were made in the image of God with the ability to receive and send signals that would communicate with God himself. It was... A common, typical thing for God to come walking in the spirit of the day, the, the, the King James says in the cool of the day, and he would commune with Adam and Eve. So they would talk. They walked with God. Sin entered in, and the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And what I believe is, is that when you were born into this world, even though uh, you are made in the image of God, that image is marred. So it's like the receiver has a problem. It's, it's, it won't work. Okay, Until the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and your life and you get the same way this phone won't work. You can, you can buy it off someone on the street. You can go to Walmart and buy a, a little burner phone or whatever you, you know, a little quick one or whatever that you can buy a few minutes at a time. But for that phone to work, you have to do what to it? Everybody say it. Activate it. Now, when Jesus comes into your heart, made in the image of God, even though you have a receiver on the inside of you, it is your spirit man. The Bible says that it's dead in trespasses and sins, dead to the things of God. When Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, comes into your heart, He activates what has been dead and null and void. He wakes you up. He makes you alive. Okay? And so once that activation takes place, and you connect to the cell tower with this cell phone, once the activation takes place in your life as a believer and you're born again and you start receiving signals from the throne, from heaven, you now are turned on and tuned in. Everybody say turned on and tuned in. Now what, whether you realize this or not, there are literally multiplied millions of signals that are going through this room right now. They're AM radio signals. There are FM radio signals, there are shortwave radio signals, there are microwave signals. There are five networks that we have here at Victory, two for our guests, two for our staff, and then there's one that's dedicated entirely to our media booth back there so that when we host events like we did yesterday with Priscilla Shower, that we don't have 75, 100, 150 people coming in and linking up to our, our, our Wi-Fi network and pulling the signal down so that what we're showing on the screens slows down or it actually stops so that the stream is not broken. We have a dedicated stream, a Wi-Fi stream, so that we can have an open stream and get the signal clearly. Are you following me this morning? Now, what you have in your pocket is amazing because it can send and receive signals. It can send texts. It can, you can make a phone call. You have the ability to pull up whatever streaming service you do musically, whether it's iTunes or Apple Music or 
or Amazon Music or any of the other various platforms that you can use. You know, we don't have to keep up any longer with with a piece of vinyl or with an 8-track tape or with a cassette tape or even with a CD any longer, but everything's gone digital. And you've got a receiver, literally, that you can touch the whole world with right here in your pocket, in my back pocket. Well, let me tell you, in the very same way that this piece of natural technology shows you an example of how the world has become a village, you've got every bit of that and much more in your spirit in terms of being able to touch heaven, being able to hear a signal from God. Come on, somebody. Now... Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there are multitudes of voices and none of them are without significance. Everything is screaming for your attention. The left and the right politically in the middle and, and, and the mainstream media and the cable news networks and, and, and radio and TV and print news media and every, your, your social media and everything is screaming for your attention and the boss at work with the deadlines that are imposed on you and you've got all of this big cacophony. It's like, it's like a thousand flocks of geese fly over all honking as they make all this noise and you have to have the ability to like those old CB radios years ago, you had a squelch button where you could kind of turn all that static out and get into a clear signal. And in the middle of all of this loud volume, this din, D-I-N, this din of noise that's screaming at you, the Holy Spirit is regularly whispering to all of us. I believe God's talking to you all the time. The problem is you're just not listening. I believe the Holy Spirit is here to guide us and guard us, to put a warning out there in front of us, to put a check in our spirit, to make us realize that there's not a sense of peace about what I'm about to step into and make a decision about. And because I'm so used to having all of that dumbed down and drowned out by the screaming voices of the world, many times I miss what the Lord is trying to say to me because I'm not turned on and tuned in. And if I'm not been saved and the Holy Spirit's come into my heart, then my cell phone's not even been activated. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit, little s, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. Now, if I go to the hospital and have an MRI, I'm not a literalist, so I don't think that they would see a light in there, but we're talking about a spiritual understanding of light that comes. Light means understanding, a revelation, illumination. And so it's searching everything that I am as a person inside me, my spirit man, my, my in, inner person, what I'm thinking, my emotions, what I'm feeling, my, my will, my desire, what I want. God's desires and His emotions and His feelings for me in the middle of all of that. My motivation behind what I'm doing and the choices that I make. The thoughts that I'm wrestling down, the fear and the unbelief and the doubt that I wrestle down, the faith, the encouragement, the confidence that I arise in the... In the, in, in the name of the Lord, to speak to a mountain and see it moved into the sea, out of my way. All of that stuff that makes up who I am on the inside. The Bible says the spirit of man is like a candle, it's a light, and it's just shining on all of that, all that stuff, my soul, who I am. And so now because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me, I need to learn how to hear His voice. And this is what I want you to see this morning. The Spirit of Truth knows the why, the what, the how, the when, the who of our lives, our callings, our dreams, our destinies. He will lead us into all truth. The question is whether or not we'll be, say it, whether I'll be, whether I'll be led or not. Okay. Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah was the royal prophet. He was related to Uzziah, the king of Judah. Isaiah is probably... If we had to say who is the premier prophet of the Old Testament, Isaiah would definitely be in the top five for sure. 66 books, literally kind of a Reader's Digest condensed version of the whole Bible. Just like there's 66 books in the whole Bible, 66 chapters are in Isaiah's prophecy. It's a major prophecy because of its length. And he prophesies about a Savior coming, a, a wonderful counselor 700 years before Jesus is born of a virgin. Pro Isaiah prophesied regarding that. And he's in the Spirit, and in Isaiah 50, he's prophesying about the coming Messiah and his ability to speak to the needs of people. This is what he says here in Isaiah 52, verses, verses 4 and 5. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. Say that phrase, the tongue of the what? 
Say it again. The tongue of the learned. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. What is the tongue of the learned? The tongue of the learned is the ability to be able to say the right thing at the right time in the right way to the right person. Now all that is necessary and I did it on purpose. The right thing in the right way at the right time to the right person. Because look at what it says. It says, he's given me the tongue of the learned that I should what? Say it. That I should know. Okay, so we're talking about three knowing gifts today, wisdom and knowledge and discerning of spirits. Before we get there, just let me set it up. But he says that I should know what? How. How many of you know how you say what you say sometimes is more important than what you said? Now, if you don't think that's true, just let your wife tell you, my, my brothers. Well, it's not what you said, but it's, it's how you said it to me. And you're going, What? Just we're, the, we guys were just we're just thick headed. I am an eternal optimist. The glass is half full all the time in my life. I'm a man of faith. I'm positive. I'm confident. I'm excited. When I meet you, everybody has a clean slate. I don't care what the community said or rumors that I've heard. You come to victory. You have an encounter with Christ, brother. The slate's clean. I'm ready. Let's 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 walk together in in Jesus. But I'm trusting. I'm looking for the best in your life. And my wife said, Michael, you're too trusting. You're too quick to trust. And she said, you need me because everybody is, doesn't have your best interest at heart. And, and I said, she said, you know, this is a gift from God. You, you are God's man. You are called of God to lead people and to love people. And she said, I don't want a pastor who is cynical and who's jaded and who is... Just has just a negative view of, of the world and everything around it. She said, I want to follow somebody who's positive and upbeat. And she said, but don't learn not to be so quick to trust. And that's my, every positive aspect of your life has a flip side of the coin. And, and so I had to learn after a few years. And I'm thankful that after 40 years of ministry that I'm still not cynical and I have not become jaded. But I want to tell you, I'm not as quick to just throw it all out there and trust as I used to be. Because I've gotten burned, well, maybe a time or two. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, so learning to listen and, and paying attention to how someone says what they say to me. I had to learn that from my wife. She had to teach me. She, I would come home and she'd say, I'd have a meeting with somebody in the church and she'd say, well, how did he look when he said it? And I went, I don't know. I, he, he was wearing a green shirt. She said, you know what I mean. What was the look on his face? I said, well... You know, men look each other in the eye and they shake hands and they, you know, my daddy told me my word is my bond and I suspect every man to act that way. Well, you know what? Every man doesn't act that way. They don't always tell the truth. And, and so she would always say, well, what was their tone of voice? And I'd say, well, oh my goodness, i got to think about it. I don't even remember. I'll just tell you what he said. She said, well, Michael, learn to pay attention how people say what they say because they're telling you as much. Erica, you're shaking your head on the front row over there. They're telling you as much how they're saying what they're saying as they are the content of what they're saying. And notice the first thing in the line is the know-how. Everybody say how. Know how to speak what? A word what? A what? That's the what right there. That's what you're going to say. And, and that's the content of it. And then the next one tells you when. In what? In season. How many of you know you can know the answer to somebody else's problem, but it isn't always the right time to say it yet? How many you know sometimes you, let, you need to let people uh, sit on the stove and get in a good simmer before you come with an answer? Because, because let me tell you, sometimes God fixes the fix to fix the fix the person is in. Don't ask me to say that again. And sometimes we're so quick to go deliver them from the fix that they're in and that's the, that is the cocoon that God's letting the butterfly struggle with so that when it comes out it'll have strength in its wings to fly. And too many times we want to go fix people and the Lord says, no, 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 I'm, I'm doing a work in there. Just let that cook. Just sit on what you see and what you know. How many know just because God shows you something doesn't mean it's time to blab it? Matter of fact, if you go blab it too quick, God will hold back before He tells you anything the next time. You know, it's crazy how we just emphasize God loves and God forgives. How many of you know God operates on a system of trust too? If He can trust you with what He tells you, He'll tell you all kind of things that will blow your mind. But he's got, to learn to, he's got to learn to trust. He's got to let you see that you, he can trust you with what he tells you, that you don't just, you just have an automatic sieve that goes right from here to... 
I didn't, I didn't say that in the first service. I don't know who that's for. Are y'all following me this morning? He Know how to speak a word, that's what, in season when, and look at it, to what? To him who is, man, you know what? When you get an encouraging word from somebody, the Bible says it's like, it's like a, a fresh rain in the time of a drought. Proverbs says it's like, it's, like, it's like snow that comes on the ground and just like a blanket. that lay, It's just refreshing. It's like, it's like a morsel of food when you're hungry. It's like a cool drink of water when you're thirsty. When somebody knows how to say what to say at the right time and they say it because they see that there's a weariness in your soul and they come and bring encouragement to you, my, 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 may the tribe of the people of the tongue of the learned increase. Hallelujah. This is how Jesus operates because he knows what to say, when to say it, how to say it when he sees that you're weary. That's who he says it to. Notice it says, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious nor did I turn away. I I wish I had time to do a little word study, but the Hebrew word for open literally means digged. How many of you know sometimes God has to dig in your ear? Because you got things blocking being able to hear his voice. I don't want to be gross, but my little 93-year-old aunt, before she passed away, probably when she was about 89 or 90, I took her to a ear, nose, and throat specialist, Aunt Lucille Morrison, like a second mama to me, and just a tremendous woman of God prayed for me. My, my, my. Her prayers sustained me. I feel them literally till this day. And I took her, she's getting old and Probably not taking care of herself as much as she ought to. And so I took her. She, she was really struggling worse than usual to hear. And I took her to an ENT and laid her down on the table. He looked in her ear and he said, Well, I guarantee you when I get this out, you'll be able to hear a lot better. And he pulled an inch-long plug of wax. Gross, I know. You know, that's why, you know, let me just say this. You know, guys, we always shower all the time. But that's why it's probably once a week good to get in the bath and then put, the, put your head down under the water and let the warm water get in your ears so you can get all that. Okay, that, I shouldn't even go that direction. That's, that's none of my business. You do what you ever feel like to do. But I tell you, when I, I came away from that, I said, ooh, I'm going to make sure. And don't do the Q-tip because you just end up packing it in. Wax, wax, wax is like the traditions of men that clog up your hearing. And God, let me tell you how God digs your ear. He takes you through a set of circumstances when all of a sudden you realize, hey, I need to hear God. And you all of a sudden wake up and go, God help me. And he, you cry out and he shows up and shows out in your life. Somebody say amen. Sometimes he has to dig our ears out. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've got power tools. The fruits show the character of God. The gifts show the charisma of God, the power of God. The fruits show the nature of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We desperately need those. That's my heart filled with love. That's higher love motivating. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples. In other words, it was by the fruit. By this, by the fact that you have love one to another. Okay? But I want to say this. Gifts are essential. Gifts are important because they're power tools that help us build. You know, you can get out here and you can, you can build a building literally by hand. You can saw every board in two. You can nail it up hard way by hand. Or you can recognize that there are some amazing pneumatic power tools. Hook it up to a compressor that's air-driven, pneuma, meaning wind, breath, or spirit. And you can literally build something much more quickly because you can saw those boards. You can nail them together. And they're power tools that help you produce something, uh, uh, something of high quality much more quickly. Okay, And so the power tools are here for the Holy Spirit. They, they, they want to help you build your life, help you build your family, help you build your business, help you build the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom of God in this area. I, I want you to recognize that my upbringing, the gifts of the Spirit, were all about the service on Sunday. It was kind of what happened in the service. And, and we were very short-sighted in understanding because I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are present and there to work in your life 24-7, 365. When you're dealing with problem children, when you're, when you're on, on the job and you, you need some wisdom on how to deal with a circumstance and you've never done this before. You might have had management classes in college or, or marketing or any of these different kinds of things. But what if you just realized... Man, the Spirit of God knows all things. He knows how I ought to handle this. What if I just took my lunch and I went and prayed by myself somewhere 
just got in my car and drove through and got a little sandwich real quick and I just spent about 15 minutes just praying and saying, Lord, lead me this afternoon how to make a decision to fix this mess at the, at the office. And then all of a sudden God shows up and you've got an idea, illumination comes, the Spirit of the Lord comes and, and you've got a fresh idea on how to handle it and you step out in faith and apply it. You've never said anything churchy, you don't quote a scripture, you're not being all weird around people, but you just take the idea the Spirit of God gave you and you put it into place and everything changes at your job. What if we thought like that? What if we realized that these power tools are not just for stuff that goes on in church on Sunday, but it is, it is literally there to give me the tongue of the learned so I know how to speak what, a word, when, in season, who, to him who is weary. Because I'm going to tell you, it's always right to encourage somebody. It's always right to comfort others and to cheer them up. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. It's always right. Matter of fact, let's have a service. I'll lay hands on every one of your heads and I will deputize you in the kingdom of God and say you now have the authority to encourage and to stir up and to cheer up and to bless others. Come on, somebody. Whoosh. You're all deputized. You have the authority. You have the right always to bless others. That's for everybody. That's a little dramatic, but you get my point, don't you? Everybody say, I have the authority to be a blessing. Now, the issue is, do you know how to use your equipment? You know, I, I, know, folk, I know folk who are riding around in state-of-the-art 2018 cars and, and they don't know how to use their GPS system and they've punched buttons and they just get aggravated and never fool with it because they won't take time to get out their owner's manual and open the owner's manual and read on how to use the equipment that that vehicle that's taking them somewhere will, will do for them. And they're punching buttons and all of a sudden their backside gets hot. Whoa! Is that the Holy Ghost? No, it's a seat warmer in your car. Hey, figure that out. Come on, how many years did you guys have a flashing clock on your VCR back in the 90s because you wouldn't get out the owner's manual and read it? Don't even look at me in that tone of voice. Everybody in the room had a flashing clock at some point or another until somebody would come over that, who knew how to do it, who'd taken the time to read it. And there's some churches that devote their whole time to just studying the owner's manual but never put it into practice. They don't learn how to use the equipment. Clock's still flashing on the VCR. Seat's getting hot when you don't want it to. <laughs> Car's driving on its own. What's going on? How many of you need to know? You need to look at your dashboard. You need to read your owner's manual. And now, now, you know, that's one extreme. You go to the evangelicals, and it's all about just studying the owner's manual. But don't do anything, because that's not for today. Now, you go to the other extreme on the other end, the charismatics and the, and the Pentecostals, and, man, they're just trying everything, and the seat's getting hot and, and just doing crazy stuff and not knowing why. And I don't want to be either extreme. I don't want to just be able to quote the owner's manual and not know how to run my car. I don't just want to drive my car in a ditch because I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing and I'm pushing buttons and I'm not just ordinary driving. This went in my first service. I like this analogy. This is pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm thankful. There's not another book like this on the planet. And if I'll open it and if I'll believe what it says... And if I will, like Peter, regardless of what the other disciples are trying to do, get back in the boat. And if I'll just go ahead and throw my leg over the side and go, okay, Jesus, you're calling me. I'm going to walk on some water today. Hallelujah. But it's amazing how God will cause your faith to defy all the natural odds. And he'll show up and show out in your life just because you have faith to trust him. How many of you believe what I just said this morning? All right, let me... Let me get into this real quickly. Three things. First one is the word of wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Man, how we desperately need wisdom as a generation. Wisdom. I, I'm going to say this, and I don't want you to go out here with an equal sign automatically equating wisdom to what I'm about to liken it to. But in a lot of ways, I think wisdom of God is a whole lot like common sense that my dad talked about. That, By the way, I want to let you know it's not common anymore. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge the right way. Let me differentiate between wisdom and knowledge. It's, 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 a, it's a scientific fact. It is a piece of knowledge. It is an information. It is a fact piece. To say that a tomato is a piece of, 
is a fruit. It is truly a fruit scientifically, biologically. It is not a vegetable. But wisdom is that you don't ever try to put it into a fruit salad. Now, some of you don't know exactly what I'm doing with this, but all the school teachers in here got it. You know that scientifically a, a tomato is a fruit and not a vegetable. But wisdom says you don't put that tomato in that fruit salad. You put the berries and the raspberries and the blackberries and the blueberries and the kiwi and all that kind of stuff in your fruit salad. And you put your tomato in your vegetable salad. That's only one little way to say the difference. Wisdom is the ability to take knowledge and apply it properly. Okay, Knowledge is and can be just kind of an, a random fact to relish, remember, and repeat and win trivial pursuit games at. But knowledge can become a powerful tool when it is appropriately applied and when it relates to the circumstance that you're dealing with. We've heard it all of our lives. If any man lack wisdom, if any person lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all men and who upbraideth not, King James says. It means he doesn't find any fault. Listen as I read the text. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with, everybody say it, divided loyalty. Divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He was about to take him out. Okay. Lord, I just ask you to be with and comfort in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. When we are divided, we're doubting, we're walking in unbelief, and I pray something, and I, I don't really pray it in faith, and I don't expect God to do anything. Basically, it's saying folk like that shouldn't expect anything from God. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. It's kind of a riding the fence, and when you ride the fence, you're going to get a seat full of splinters. Matter of fact, it's dangerous because you got one foot in the kingdom, you got one foot over in the world, and you're kind of riding, and you, you, you could end up hurting yourself. <laughs> wisdom. We think of wisdom. We think of King Solomon. His prayer was not, God make me rich, God make me powerful, but he said, God make me wise to lead your people. And the story that I think best depicts the wisdom of Solomon is found in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. It's the story of two the King James says harlots. We, we'll, we'll nicely say two prostitutes are living together. And they both have babies. First one invited the second one into her home. She already had a baby just a few days old. And the second one comes in and she has a baby three nights after she moves in. And so they're, they're, they're babies that are very close in age. Maybe a week apart or so. And the, the one who's the guest in the other's house rolls over on her baby one night and she smothers the child and the, the child dies. And she has an evil intention in her heart. And so she gets up at midnight, the text says, and she takes her dead baby and exchanges it with the living baby beside the other woman, puts the dead baby under, right at her breast, and she takes the live baby over into the bed with her. And they both wake up the next morning. And the woman who has the house who invited the other one in sees that her baby is dead. But on examination, she looks more closely and she says, wait a minute, this is not my baby. Because a mama knows her baby better than anybody. Are you following me? And so she gets up and accuses the guest, the other prostitute, of smothering her baby and then exchanging them during the night. And so they end up before King Solomon, long story short, and they both tell their story and they're both saying, she took my baby, the dead baby is hers, the living baby is mine. They're both going, na 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 and they're both saying, she said, she said. And so Solomon says, bring me a sword, lay the baby there. He takes the sword, he raises it, and he says, I'm going to divide the baby and give, you, give half to both of you. And immediately the mother of the child said, no, 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 let her have the baby, don't harm the child. And Solomon said, that's the mama right there. The other one said, no, go ahead and cut the baby in half. And so Solomon knew a little piece of human nature that the love of a mother would automatically speak up. And so there's wisdom in that. Now, now, you know, you have that same situation come again. That's, this story is widely known. You probably couldn't play that same 
principle again, but the same God who gave that wisdom the first time can also give you wisdom to deal with the circumstance that you're in. In your family, with your spouse, together as husband and wife, with your children, at your job, in your neighborhood, how you're dealing with this particular problem. If we would just be open to the Lord and say, Father, show me. I lack wisdom. God, give me wisdom. The Bible says He will never find fault. He will gladly give you wisdom if you'll just ask in faith. So the word of wisdom that God brings is life-changing. It gives me the ability to know how to apply knowledge. That's the what. Okay, And this is what the testimony said. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. We want leaders that lead with wisdom. We want the wisdom of God. Since I've been able to vote in the 1980 election, I've always prayed for every president, let the wisdom of God be their portion. Let voices around them carry the word of the Lord. For every Reagan, Bush one, Clinton two times, Bush two, two times, Obama two times, Trump now. Prayer. Pray for the person that's in the White House. Don't spend a lot of time spreading a bunch of nonsense on social media. This is the free part. I didn't have it in my first message. Pray for the president. Come on, somebody. Even if you didn't vote for me, you don't like him. You still are called of God to pray for the president. Number two, word of knowledge. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Now, that's in your Bible. Look at this. You have the mind of Christ. This is what's different between Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 before the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because when He came at the hinge point of history, everything old covenant also now has to come through the filter of His finished work at the cross. On the hill He created, the light of the world shone as we sang this morning. And it changed everything. His finished work changed everything. And so now the the unknowable, unsearchable mind of God now is resident on the inside of you in the Holy Spirit. The the issue is, as Paul wrote to the Philippians in in chapter 2 verse 5 is, will you let this mind be in you which was also in Christ? Will you allow it? Will you learn to access it? Will you... Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding, your own mind, your own will, your own emotions, what you think, what you feel, what you want. But lean into God's mind, the mind of Christ that's inside of you. Colossians 2, 3 says, in Him, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So everything that needs to be known about your problem is already in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. Now your issue is, how do I access what's already inside me? Are y'all following me this morning? We have the mind of Christ. Now I want to be brave and I'm just going to throw out a statistic that I have no substantiation for, but I guarantee you 90% of the church in America doesn't even know that verse is in the Bible. We have the mind of Christ. I believe that what you need to know, God already knows it, and you can learn to access that if you will lean into the Holy Spirit. And this is where the word of knowledge comes. A word of knowledge is a peace. We will never at any point in history have all knowledge. We will never be omniscient. God is omniscient. He knows everything. God is omnipowerful or omnipotent. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once in the fullness of His presence. We're not omni-anything. Maybe omni-foolish as, as people, as mankind. Omni-stupid sometimes. But if I learn to lean into Him, God can speak to me things that I need to be aware of. Okay? 1 John 2.20 says you have an unction of the Holy One and you know all things. The issue is you just don't know that you know all things yet. 
You have an anointing of the Holy Spirit, another translation says, and you know all things. What I'm telling you is, is that your spirit down in here, the spirit of man, is the knower. It's the receiver. It is, it is the cell phone that has been activated by regeneration. The Spirit of God came into you, breathed into your spiritual deadness, and you came alive, and He activated you, and He turned you on to be able to receive a signal from the cell tower of heaven. And, and, and so now the issue is that you can receive a text and you can send a text. You can pray, the Bible says, and God hears you. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open to their prayers. And He can speak to you and you can hear Him. The deal is, can you drown out and turn the squelch off of all the other static, of all the other signals and all of the other voices and the, the din of noise that's screaming at us from every angle in our culture? I was 14 years old and I had been traveling with evangelists around the U.S. And I was playing, playing, playing the organ, kind of the pump man. And I would sing and lead and man, we'd, just, we'd get our praise on and have a good old time and everybody would be ready for the man of God to come on the scene. And I didn't even have one at my house. And so I started praying, God, I, I, I want to get good at this, and I, I think I need an instrument. And I was 13, and I had attended a Kenneth Copeland meeting. Now, I don't know what you think about Ken. I don't care. I think he has a truth. I was, we were part of the whole faith movement at that time. And it was just kind of, you know, stand on the promises of God and confess the word. And I know that it, there's an extreme to it. Folks, there's an extreme to every truth in the Bible. You can take anything to an extreme. Okay, And so I had attended and I heard him preach. I went to Mark Tree, Arkansas to the, to the gymnasium at the high school at Mark Tree. And Ken Copeland, before anybody ever heard of him, before he was a household name, came and preached to about 600 people stacked in that gymnasium at Mark Tree High School. And I heard him preach and it changed my life. He preached on the three Ds. I can tell you what he preached that night. I was a 12-year-old kid. Desire, decision, and determination. You have a desire God's put in your heart. Decide you're going to pursue it and then be determined until you see it through. And man, I heard desire and I got it and I heard decision and I made it and I heard determination and I gritted my teeth and said, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk with you all the days of my life. 13, I started saying, God, I, I, want, a, I want an organ. And my mama was a floral designer at Bill Seaton's West Memphis Flower Shop making about $6 an hour. Daddy was a mechanic on a farm at Proctor, Arkansas. In the late 60s, early 70s, I remember Daddy would get a check and bring it home and I would see it. And his whole check, one month at a time, for a whole month was $400. A month, people, not a week, a month. $4,800 a year, probably 1969, 1970. And mom and dad both working just trying to make ends meet. Had two kids that come along late in life and they like got surprised and you know just I got into my mama's diary one day and when she talked about being pregnant with me she said, God are you trying to kill me? <laughs> and I said, Mama what's this about? She said, well first of all that's private and when you grow up one of these days you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And so they, we were just poor folks. And my mama loved me so much, and she was all about injecting faith into my life. And she said, son, we can't afford it. I went to the Hammond dealership over on Union on, in Memphis, and I looked, and this instrument in 1973 listed for $5,685 plus tax. That and the Leslie 122 sitting over there beside it. I tell this story about every six or seven years, and to tell the whole story takes about 45 minutes. I'm going to give you about five minutes of it, the real quick part. And so I started trusting God, and I was fasting and praying and, um, and learning how to do that. I got to where I was in junior high school, would fast three days at a time, nothing but water. Nobody knew it. No kids at school knew I was fasting, but I was just praying, trusting the Lord, seeking God, confessing faith. Thank you, Lord. And do you know people I didn't even know started mailing me checks to my house? Sometimes several hundred dollars at a time. One was a teacher in the high school of Mark Tree, Arkansas, who heard I was believing God for this instrument. And she started sending anywhere from two, three, four hundred dollars every month. And other, one church in Memphis took up an offering for me because they just, they believed and they said, this is God. And so they, they blessed me with that. And so my savings account's starting to grow. 
we walked out of the Hammond dealership one day and I was real discouraged because I walked out with a brand new pamphlet and man, I went home and I put it on the refrigerator and, and no class at all. I mean, I, I took gray duct tape and stuck it to my mama's brand new refrigerator, her new side by side, and I'd walk in and I'd slap the refrigerator and go, bless God, that's mine in Jesus' name. I was confessing it. I was doing as I'd been taught in the whole faith movement. Thirteen years old. Nine months time over that I'm, I'm going through trusting God for this. And I remember walking out of the, the Hammond dealership, and my aunt, who was very prophetic, said this to me, the one that I told you about pulling the, the, the inch-long plug out of her ear. She said, Michael, I'm going to tell you right now, this is the word of the Lord. God's got one. There's one sitting around here that's got your name on it. And when it's time, you're going to get it. And I said, yeah, when, when is that time coming? And I'm, I'm anxious. I remember riding to school one day and I'm talking to mom about how long is it going to take. And she says, well, you know, it took the Lord dealing with Moses for 40 years before he went back and delivered the children. <laughs> I'm a little 13-year-old fat boy and I said, mama, you're not building my faith. She dropped me at school and I'm discouraged. 40 years, Lord, really? I'm watching the papers. I'm looking for want ads. I never in this nine-month period had ever seen a Hammond B3 and Leslie 122 listed. It never it just didn't appear because, let me just tell you, you turn on Letterman, not Letterman anymore, you turn on Colbert, you turn on Fallon, Jimmy Fallon, you turn on Jimmy Kimmel, um, you, you go to rock and roll, you go to jazz, you go to black church, you go uh, everywhere. That right there is the standard. I had a guy come through here and repair it for me two years ago who offered me $10,000 for it. Because everybody wants to get an old vintage one like this. This one's about 44 years old. Playing like a, like a mad dog. I'm telling you, it'll play. If I had time, I'd go over there and scoot a couple of tunes out for you. No, we don't. <laughs> I'm praying and fasting, and it's Friday on the third day, and it's April... It's April the 11th, 1975. I'm coming home from West Junior High School, and I'm on the third day of a three-day fast, and I'm walking down Reading, walking home from school. I had to stay late in the band room or something, and I, I, I went, on, went on home, and I'm by myself, and I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, and I heard down in here. I'm 14 at this time. I heard down in here, you'll have your organ within hours. You can never convince me that that wasn't the voice of God. I heard, I heard it. It, it wasn't out here, but it was down here. And I just jumped. I was coming off of Reading, about to turn on South Worthington, and I crossed that lady's yard. I just walked, I'm sure she hated school kids because I crossed her yard every day, like any dumb kid does, you know. Didn't walk around the corner. I crossed the grass. And as I crossed the grass, I heard the Lord say, you'll have your organ within hours. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. So I literally ran the rest of the way home. And of course, I'd been fasting, so I was like losing a lot of weight that year. I was not a fat boy anymore. And I ran home, and Mom got off from work pretty quickly, and she came home, and I told her, I said, Mom, I really feel like I heard the Lord today. And he said, you'll have your organ within hours. She said, okay, let's just pray about it and see. Okay, thanks. And so she says, i got to go to Big Star. i got to buy some food for us. It's Friday afternoon, Friday evening, and this is where Payless Shoes and Anytime Fitness is now. Y'all remember when Big Star was down there? And so we go up, and I'm riding the mama to the grocery store with mama at the grocery store, and she gets out and goes in. I don't want to buy groceries. I know that there is a commercial appeal newspaper dispenser vendor stand there, and so I put my quarter in, and I got my commercial appeal out. And, y'all, for the very first time in nine months, I opened it up to the one ads to the musical instruments section, and it said Hammond B3 and Leslie 122 and a phone number. I about lost my ever-loving mind. Because I knew it was God. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. Down in my knower, I knew it, that it was God. And so I went into the grocery store, and Mama's on the pickle aisle. I said, can you come on? Let's go home. Look at this. this, this I heard the Lord saying, you'll have your organ within hours. I'm a 14-year-old little kid, okay? This is crazy. And so she, she said, okay, let me just get a couple more things. So we went through the, got the groceries, went home. I didn't even help her unload. I went in and she, I said, can I call? She said, will you please just go call and check on this thing? I was wearing her out. I went in, Dewey, my younger brother, is helping haul groceries in, mom and dad. Help, and I'm on the phone. Mr. Barnett from Frazier, his son, was 23 years old, and he had a brand-new 1973 Grand Prix Pontiac, and he had a brand-new 1973 
Hammond B3 and Leslie 122. And payments on both of them, he's going to have to get rid of one because he'd lost his job. Now, when you're 23 and you have a choice between an, a, an organ, a musical instrument, and a car, you're not going to let go of your wheels. About the time I started believing for this, he bought that. He didn't know it, bless his heart, but he bought it for me. So I, I called Mr. Barnett over in Frazier, and I said, Mr. Barnett, this is Michael Smith over in West Memphis, Arkansas, and I've been praying for a Hammond B3, and I just saw that you have one listed in the newspaper. And he said, what paper was that in? And I said, the Commercial Appeal. He said, that's strange, because that ad was supposed to stop running a week ago, and he worked for the Commercial Appeal as a printer. He said, that ad wasn't even supposed to be in there. Said, and I would only check the paper once a week. And... Um, and so he, he says, so this is the instrument's brand new. There's one scratch on the bench when they moved. He son played rock and roll with the band and dropped something on it, scratched the bench a little bit. That's it. It's just it's, it's pristine. It's in amazing condition. Do you want to come look at it? I said, well, yeah, how much do you want for it? He says, well, how much will you offer me? Y'all, I'm not an organ dealer. I'm, I'm a 14-year-old punk <laughs> who just has enough sense to trust God with all of my heart and not lean into I didn't have much understanding and so I said give me just a second and I covered up the phone and I sat right there and I prayed I said Holy Spirit you know what I need to give for this for this B3 now I ask you to tell me right now and immediately the figure $2,700 popped into my head I'm standing on this platform and if I'm lying I'm dying right now and I heard $2,700 in my heart and I said okay I'll give you $2,700 silence pregnant pause silence just keeps on and he, he kind of <clears throat> cleared his throat and he said okay I'll take it I said okay we'll be over tomorrow to look at it let me uh, let me come see it and play it and see what's going on and he said okay let's meet at Union Planners Bank at the corner of Union and Cleveland it's a parking garage now and, and uh, at one o'clock Monday afternoon so mom checked me out of school we went to took my money out of savings, put it in her checking account. And we sat down, and Mom wrote a check. But before she wrote the check, she looked at Mr. Barnett, not Mom, but the, the, the loan officer, the lady said, Mr. Barnett, how are you doing? What are we here to do today? And she, he said, well, my son's going to sell his B3 uh, because he lost his job, and this family's going to buy it. And so the lady says, Mr. Barnett, and I want you to look at this check. Go ahead and pull it up. This is a check that I, I carry in the front of my Bible. Here it is right here. See, it's, it's taped in my Bible. Taped in my Bible. Signed by my mom, Mrs. Grady Smith, Union Planners Bank, $2,700. On the four line, it says Hammond Organ Tone Cabinet in full for Michael Anthony Smith. Okay? Now, this is the part that will blow your mind. I'm sitting there, Friday night, Friday afternoon from school, the Lord says, you'll have your... I get the paper, I make the phone call, how much will you give me? Okay, Holy Spirit, $2,700. I tell him, all weekend long, we don't know what they're about to tell us. And the, uh, the, the loan officer says, Mr. Barnett, to make this loan clear, you owe $2,709.12. Mr. Barnett wrote a check for $9.12 to get out from under an organ that he didn't want to pay for since his son couldn't. And my mama wrote the check for $2,700, the number that I heard the Holy Spirit whisper into my heart. How many of you know the Holy Ghost knew what he owed on his loan? How many of you know the Holy Ghost knows what you need to hear in a word of knowledge in your life so you can make decisions? Now, you know what? You can tell me, oh, hocus pocus, I don't believe in that. You know what? You, you, just, you can just be a fool if you want to. I know. I've, been, I've grown up seeing this happen in my life. I've grown up praying and going, God, I don't know. I don't have sense. I don't have wisdom in this. Show me, God, when you are desperate enough that you will cry out to the Lord and put your faith wholeheartedly in Him. God will show up in your life and He will show out. Amen. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you don't even have a clue about. He will blow your minds. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Help us, Holy Ghost. Last one and I'm finished. Just want to read a scripture. The last one is discerning of spirits. Another of the three knowing gifts. God will give you wisdom that is how to apply knowledge. God will give you the specific knowledge you need to make a decision that will be blessed. 
what would it be like if we would stop and pray and go, go, Holy Spirit, guide me in this decision before we just plow headlong into it and make the decision and then we spend the rest of our time begging God to bless the wrong decision that we made? What if we'd wait and let Him speak to us? The last one is discerning of spirits. 1 John 4, 1 says, Test the spirits to see if they're of God. It says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Y'all, they're around us. They're on TV. Some of them are sitting as news anchors. Some of them are in government positions. Some of them live down the street from you. And folk that don't want to give you all kinds of advice all the time. And you could be gracious, but you don't have to let that seed take root in your life. You can say, God, my trust is in you alone. And I'm not going to sit on the fence and have one leg in the kingdom and one leg in the world. I'm not going to have divided loyalty. God, I'm going to fully get on whichever side it is. Get in the kingdom. And say, God, I lean into you. Now, show me. I'm the eternal optimist. I, I'm, I am a faith man. I look at you and I believe the best about you until you give me signs that make me go, okay, I need to watch it here because I think there's some ulterior motives or there's some motivation or there's something here. How many of you have ever been around somebody and you met them and it just gave you kind of an uneasy feeling? Come on, tell me the truth. Just kind of a little twang in your spirit. You smile, but you're just looking, you're looking through that smile and you're going, something ain't right. Don't ignore your gut. When the Spirit of the Lord is trying to warn you and trying to prompt you, look, look, I, 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 I love the Bible. The Bible is amazing. But there is not a chapter and a verse that you can turn and open to where it will tell you don't have anything to do with Jake Jones. Now, to my knowledge, there's not a Jake Jones in our church, okay? And if there's one in the community you know, don't tell him I talked about him on Sunday morning. Because it's just a random, arbitrary choice. John Smith, okay? There's not a Bible that you can, you can turn to and say, don't take that deal. There's wisdom, there's principles, there's examples, there's commandments, there's morality, there's ethics, there's decisions that you can base all of this on. But sometimes all of that comes up short and you have to go, God, I don't have a clue. Because either way, there's nothing immoral about either decision. Which one should I take? How many of you know what I'm talking about? God, guide me. God, lead me. And when you can lay down and go to sleep on it and you can wake up and be at peace then and you learn to lean into the peace of God in your life then you can say okay God my trust is in you I just and let me just say this to you I've been at this for almost 30 years in this church and I remember the time we were really struggling this week as I prepared this I remembered going to Village Creek State Park and walking those trails and crying out to God and just hurt on the inside when we were struggling and we were just doing everything we knew to do and we couldn't grow I was in the woods by myself walking those paths and praying and I said, God, if there's something I'm not doing and you're not telling me that it's your fault and not mine. Is that true? Is that true? And I prayed, I said, God, break through. If I'm hard-headed, talk to me. Break through. Help me here. See, see what he was doing is he was digging in my ear. He was opening my ear so I could learn to hear his voice. The point, the point of desperation you're in right now, don't waste it. Don't medicate it to drown it out. Don't drink it down. Don't overeat it down. Go, don't go shop it out. The frustration you're facing right now and that thing that you're struggling with, get before God and go, God, I'm desperate. Please show me. Give me a word of wisdom. Give me a word of knowledge. Help me discern the spirit behind this thing so I don't make a wrong decision. Let me tell you, when you get desperate enough to hear God, it's amazing how clear His voice all of a sudden becomes. He will, he will work through th you through circumstances so that He can open your ear, so He can wake you up, so that you can hear as the learned. Because you'll never have the tongue of the learned until you have the what it said, hear as the learned. 
God's talking all the time, folks. Are you hearing his voice this morning? One last verse of scripture. Oh, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now, this morning. Listen to this. Two verses before he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. As the, high, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so much higher are my thoughts than your thoughts and my ways than your ways. Two verses before that whole thing where we started go like this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Come on, y'all. He's in this room with us right now. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Turn from him. Turn from your old way. Turn from leaning into your own understanding. Turn from, okay, I'll just refinance it. Okay, I'll just engineer it. Just whatever, I'll engineer this. I'll manipulate that. I'll intimidate them and we'll get that sale. Turn from your thoughts. Turn to His. Let Him return to the Lord that He may have compassion on Him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. There's nobody in this room that's too far gone that the Lord hasn't already reached out to you and is reaching into your heart right now. There's nobody in this room that something is so bad and so grave and so depraved that the blood of Jesus can't save you from it. And you have a God who so desperately and recklessly loves every one of you in this room that He's ready to just reach into your heart and say, all the brokenness, All the junk, the bad decisions, the wrong choices, the habits, the struggles, everything. Bring it to me and let me show you what I can do with your life. Let me just, let me blow my wind, my breath, my spirit through you. And it'll change everything. Lights are coming down. I would ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me, please, this morning.